excellent. So uh, welcome to church today. Just got a couple of announcements through the end of the year, uh, end of the financial year coming. Uh, if you're a business and you have an ABN and you'd like to do a one-off donation for a tax deduction, then uh, you're able to do that. So just come and see me or if you're, just come and see one of our pastors and we can make that happen. It's if you want to do that, no dramas, no worries at all. Uh, also, I was wondering whether you could just pray with me. It just, it seems a little loud for me. Uh, if it's a little loud out there, maybe you can just turn it down there. Oh, working on it. It's all right, Ashley. You can just enjoy church today. All right. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley's always looking, doing great things. So fantastic. So uh, uh, this week, oh, I was wondering whether you could just pray for me. As you know, I play darts and uh, I, I enjoy that, but it's, it's really just so, I can be with people who aren't always Christians. All my life, I'm surrounded by Christians. Everything is a Christian, Christian, Christian. So I play darts. And uh, there's one of the guys that I play darts with who probably four months ago was just so happy. He's 44 years old and he became a grandpa, so I was a bit jealous, right? So uh, being I'm 60 and I am not a grandpa, right? But, uh, and he was a grandpa and he was all happy and, and all excited and, and all of that. And, and, and I was happy with that. And, and just recently, I, another guy from Darts or Shrew Darts, I, I did their wedding just two weeks ago. So God's using me in different things. But last Saturday afternoon, I was just at home and I got an, a, a call from a number I didn't recognize and, and I, I answered it. And, and, and it was, I don't want to say his name, but, but I just, it was him. And he just broke down and, and he was just, and, and he was messy. And so I was talking to him, trying to, you know, get the story out of there. And his four-month-old grandson had passed away that morning. And it was very real, very tough, very, very real. And yesterday morning, I, I met with his son and, and the mum. And, and, and it was just, it, it's, it's terrible. It's hard. You know, it's not a, it's not a wonderful situation. Uh, and on, on Saturday morning, we're going to be doing the, funeral for this little boy here at the church. It's going to be full of people who've never come into church, don't know church. You know, the, the speeches and the eulogies and the different things will probably have all sorts of languages that are not normally said here at the church. But God, I believe, is wanting to do something in this community of that family. And that God's wanting to do something. And even the mum, she's 17 years old. She said to me yesterday, she just said, I'm believing that this is going to help me get closer to Jesus. That's what she said. And it was just, it, it, it was, and I'm, and I'm believing that. You know, in tragic times, in those suffering times, that's when Christ can be closest. When you see all the things that you're trusting in aren't working. You know, like that's, that's when you, then you'll reach out and you go, I'm going to reach out. So let it be that this tragedy, and it's a tragedy. There's, there's nothing good about this. It's, it's, it's a tragedy, right? The baby is with the Lord. That's wonderful, but it's, it's a tragedy. Let, let's pray that God will use that. And, uh, you know, so, uh, and just pray for, for me in dealing with the family that I'm able to bring a measure of hope. See, I, I can't talk maybe some of the things I would say to a Christian family, right? So, but I still want to talk of the Christian hope. I still want to talk of the good news but I don't want them to feel like I'm using their tragedy to push religion. Does that make sense? So help me to have that real sensitivity to what it is that, so that God can get some glory out of this horrible situation. So uh, yeah, just pray. It's just, uh, 
It's, you know, you, you get involved in these things and it's, it's hard, but that's why I'm going to play darts. That's why I'm going to go and do these things. That's why you're in your workplace and in your uh, family and in the different things so that when something happens, you emerge as the person that they, they contact. You know, like, it's difficult, right? Uh, I would have rather been playing golf yesterday morning, but I'm glad that when he went through something, I was the one that he rang. I was the one that emerged. That's why I chose his name is Emerge, because I wanted it to be that you emerge. My tragedy, who do I ring? I'm going to ring Ma. You know, I'm going to ring Renato. I'm going to ring this person. I'm going to ring this person. I'm going to ring this person because they see something in your life. And that's what I, you know, so just play for that this week. Let's just have this answer. And then on Friday, I went to Pastor Andrew's funeral in Adelaide, Pastor Andrew Evans, who was the leader of the ACC for many years. And it was just a wonderful celebration of life, 88 years. And it was really quite interesting. At the end, Ashley and Russell, they did the kind of like eulogy and uh, Pastor Fred, who's actually in Adelaide at the moment, Pastor Andrew's brother, he actually wrote the first part of the eulogy. It was, it was great. It was all videos. It was testimonies. People all around the world, you know, testifying of the impact that Pastor Andrew had had. And uh, at the end of it all, Pastor Ashley just looked down at his dad's coffin and he goes, he goes well played, Dad. And there was kind of resonated in a whole funeral and everyone just kind of stood and clapped. And it was just an honoring life. And what I did is, is like, I'm sad Pastor Andrew is gone. He's been a great mentor and influence in my life. But what a life he led. And as a life that was an example to me. And so all I got out of Pastor Andrew's funeral was that I'm going to serve even harder. I'm even going to go for God even harder. I'm, I'm going to, if, if I haven't given him 100, I'm going to find that extra whatever I need and I'm just going to give it to God because that's what matters. In the end, that's what matters. And so uh, I just, uh, yeah, so I just thought I'd let you know. I actually will eventually preach this morning. So uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the privilege of pastoring it, all oh God. Father, I never take that for granted. Thank you, O oh Lord, for trusting us. Nina and myself, we're just pastoring this church, O oh Lord. And thank you for the people. Thank you for the staff. Lord, I pray as I talk about a pretty practical Straight out message today, oh Lord. Father, let the, let the pastor's heart, let the father's heart, Father, come out as I speak it today. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to do my kind of basically annual once a year talk about money. All right, so lock the doors, you can't leave. All right, so, uh, <laughs> right, and uh, there'll be no altar call today. We're going to take up an offering. No, 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 that's not, no, no, that's not true. Right, so, right, right now, money's in the news. Right, it's the end of financial year, and uh, it's like, I, I don't know about you, but every second email I get is EOFY. Right, yesterday I got a text message, EOFY. We are selling massage chairs. I don't know how they got my number, but I was a bit interested. <laughs> Can we have a chat after this, honey? Right, but uh, um, it's so much off. Right, but uh, it's just it's amazing. Right, uh, but uh, you, you know, like 
it's just everywhere. EOFI, you know, like all, all these different things. I just did one, right? Like if I just remembered, I just did one, right? So, right, like uh, it's, it's, in the, it's in the news. This week, inflation came out at 7.8%. That's, that's affecting. That's massive. That, that's a big deal. You know, they're talking about maybe interest rates are going to go up again on Tuesday. Rents are just crazy. House prices are going through the roof. If you go in a supermarket, everything you like seems going up. Money is a big deal, right? I thank God that it, at my stage of life, it's not affecting me as much as it does others. But I'll tell you what, I guarantee you there's a lot of people in this room who where it's a weekly and sometimes daily conversation and you're really having to make some choices. Do I buy this or do I buy that? Do I not buy this? Do I put this off? There's different things that are going on because it's very, very real. Worrying about finances, though, is not a new thing. It's always been there, right? Worry about money has always been there. In Jesus' day, it was there. Before Jesus' time, it was there. Worry about money and how we live and all of those things has always been something that's on our hearts. And there wouldn't be a person here who hasn't spent at least one night or so just kind of losing sleep because of some financial issue. It's a real deal. It's something that happens. Now, some of you would know that once I wrote a book. Here it is, all right? And I wrote this book because at the church where I was, the pastor there, I was the one who would take up or receive the offering every week, right? So, uh, and at the church that we were at, they would have like a five to 10 minute teaching every Sunday about giving, right? So it was me every week would do a teaching about giving. So what I did is I wrote a book with just 52 different things about that. And it's even got a sealed section, right, for mature Christians, right? Little so MA, mature adults only, all right? So, uh, so what I did is I got, it didn't, wasn't a bestseller, all right? So uh, <laughs> I've got tons of them at the back there. So <laughs> if you want to, uh, uh, if you want one, you can take one today and that. So... Uh, But I didn't lose money, honey. No, we... we right. Now, every week is my job to kind of inspire people and talk to people about giving and about offering. And to be honest, I actually loved it. I never backed off from it. I, I never felt I was pressurizing people. And so today I, I can make some jokes, but I don't actually apologize for speaking to you about money because it's a real deal. It's something that we face every day. It's something that we all think about and talk about and wonder about. So it makes sense that God would have a lot to say about money. And if you have a look, it's, it, every one of these teachings is from a different scripture. The Bible's not silent on things like this. Right? So, but I never felt like I was a, like a greasy salesman just trying to, to con people. I truly believe, and I still believe, that inspiring people to give to God through giving to the church, will ultimately free them and is ultimately the best and wisest and safest investment advice that anyone could get. Trust God with your finances. That's the bottom line of it. I knew I wasn't conning people and I believe that I'm helping you. So today, if you feel like I'm conning you, that's not the spirit of what I'm going to do. I, don't, I, I really don't know if you give. 
I don't know who gives in this church. If someone gives over $5,000 in one time, I'll ring that person and I'll say, thank you very much, right? And then I'll tell them, look, if you change your mind, right? Like, uh, and, you know, then we'll give it back, right? So that's the only time. I, I've, I've, because I think if you've given such a massive amount that, you know, I didn't want it to be an emotional decision that, and then I don't want someone else coming to me and saying, you called my mum or someone. Going, like, no, here, have it back. Right? We, I don't know who gives. You can be a leader in this church. You can do anything in this church. I don't know. It's not how we, we do things. But I believe I'm helping you by speaking along these lines. And I want to say this. Everyone who's had the revelation, everyone say the word revelation. revelation. Everyone who's had the revelation about giving agrees with me. But it's revelation that's the key. Giving is a revelation. It's not something that naturally comes to your mind. And I believe that each week as I was speaking and receiving of the offering, that someone would get the revelation and then they'd be financially free. And it's why I don't judge people who don't tithe. If you don't tithe, I don't judge you. I don't call you names. I don't, I don't say any, I don't have any thoughts towards you. It's just because you haven't had that revelation. Right, people have had the revelation of tithe. They never come back to me and said, I shouldn't have tithed. I've never had someone in 30 years of ministry come back to me and say, tithing was a stupid idea. I wish I wouldn't have tithed. Right? It's the only place the Bible says, trust God. So it's not like, so I feel like I'm helping people and I just realize you haven't got your revelation. When I was in Bible college, I didn't have the revelation. I didn't, it, 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 it was something I never thought about. I'd give if I had something left over. Or I'd give if I was emotionally touched enough by someone speaking about something, right? I was generous by nature. So giving has never been something that I'm scabby at or, or doing. I'm generous by nature. It's just something, you know, that, that, but I didn't have any revelation about it. So yeah, I give if I give and I don't if I don't. No one really cares. doesn't matter. I don't remember what actually occurred. I, I, I was trying to think this week, what was it that gave me the actual revelation? But I know I was in Bible college. And I just knew that it was God who was asking me to do this. It wasn't the church, it wasn't a man, it was God who was asking me to do this. And that's what a revelation is. It's when it goes from being something that's a good thought, something that someone else says, to going to something where you know that God has actually said something to you about it. And so then you respond not to man, not to compulsion, not to, to some sort of get rich scheme or, or anything like that. You give in a response to God and then your giving is to God. You may give it to the church, you may give it to some organization, you may give it some way, but your giving then is to God. So I don't care after I give it what happens to it because it's God. I've given it to God. That's what God has asked me to do. So for pretty much 10 years, right, I did the giving talk each week and we actually very rarely do a giving talk now. We just kind of receive and pray and thanks and God has blessed us. So after 10 years, I've, I've pretty much done everything you know in the Bible from, about giving. Right? I've done the Malachi. You know how if you don't tithe, you're still from God because he's, gonna, he's he, he gives everything to you, so give him back the 10%. Right? I've done the one about the widow who gave her last meal to the prophet and he gets saved. I did a hundred different ones from the Proverbs. Proverbs are awesome. There are so many Proverbs about it all, such as Proverbs 3, where we're exhorted to trust the Lord with our wealth and the first fruits so that our barns will be full. 
I, I talked about the widow and who put in her last bit of money and, and how Jesus commended her. So there's lots in the Bible. I'd, I'd often use 2 Corinthians 9, where Paul, the great treatise on giving, is one of the great kind of Bible passages about giving. It's, it's just wonderful. You know, where we, he who sows much will reap much, and he who sows little will reap little. God loves a cheerful giver. Right? You know, I declared, you know, that God, when we give to God, we'll give back, pressed down, shaking together, brimming all over. I loved it how the Garden of Eden, so God said, hey, I'll look after you, give you all this, but that's mine, don't eat of that tree. And how we see that giving and tithing was right there in the, in the very creation itself. That God said, hey, I'll look after that, but you, this, is, this is my part. And that, that 10% that we give back is, is giving back God's part. I'd often speak about the four rivers that are in Eden, uh, that, that God created in Eden and how their names, when you translated them into English, were rapid increase, fruitfulness and bursting forth, which shows us that God's intentions in creating the Garden of Eden was that there would always be rapid increase of fruitfulness bursting forth. I took very seriously 1 Timothy verse six, uh, chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. Command. So I felt when I was teaching and speaking that I was doing what it was the Bible was asking me to do. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God loves us to be joyful. He provides for us to have enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of life, of the life that is truly life. That's the abundant life. That's, that's an attitude that we need to have. But this morning, I want to use a gospel story to talk about giving in a way that I, that I hadn't seen before. So I want to do something a little bit different. So I hope that you will give me some grace as I speak this this morning. Luke 18, verse 18. We're going to read a story. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, oh, All of these I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? 
That's their reaction to what Jesus just said. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, yep, look, see, we've left all and we followed you. So he said to him, assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents, brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present life and in the age to come eternal life. What a great story. That's actually the scripture that God used to deal with Nina's heart when she moved here to Brisbane, that God would bless her in coming to Brisbane when she left father, mothers, and, and all of those different things. So there's a great story from the gospel. A rich young ruler comes to Jesus. Mark's gospel tells us that he runs up to Jesus. This guy's excited. So we know that he's genuinely trying to seek Jesus. He's not a person who's coming up to test Jesus. In the gospel, you'll find two categories of people. There are people who kind of come up to Jesus, but they're really just testing. They're not seeking. This guy is actually seeking, right? And in our own life, sometimes I notice even as, as a pastor, I'll come to you, there are some people who are seeking God, but there's other people who have come with a heart of testing God. And as a pastor, you've got to kind of like see, because I deal with one different as I deal with the other. You understand? And so this guy is genuinely, he's not trying to test God. He's not trying to get into an argument with Jesus. No, he's genuinely seeking. He says, how can I get to heaven? As a guy who has everything in life, understands he still has a lack. He's a rich young ruler. The Bible says he's very rich, yet he's got a lack. And he says, what can I do? I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm going to, how can I get to heaven? Jesus talks the language that he understands and tells him about the commandments. And he, and he likes this because as a genuine seeker of God, he's actually endeavored to live like this all of his life. Right? He's wanted to, to please God. He's, he hasn't just been a horrible person, but he's wanted to please God. And he's endeavored to do that as, since a child. Then Jesus boldly tells him, Sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Jesus was a brave man. Like, that's tough, right? There's no way I could come to you and go, you know what, Nicole, sell everything you have and just give it to the poor and, and come follow. I can't do that. I couldn't ask someone to do that. It's not in me. It's very difficult to do that. I know at different times, I, I think at the, the, the start of this church, when they're looking to buy this land, there are a number of people that came and actually put their house as a guarantee so that we were able to purchase this land. The pastor who was then, he's a brave man. I couldn't do that. I could not ask you to put your house on the line for that. But this pastor was brave, and thank you, pastor, for being brave, and all those people who said yes, right? <laughs> Amen, that was good. But it's like, so he give it to the, so he, and he said, all that you have, give it to the poor. He didn't give it to the temple. He was a temple ruler, he didn't say, because he would have kind of almost like giving it to the self. So Jesus said, don't give it to the, give it to the, give it to the poor. Follow me, leave behind all you know, leave behind all that you have, and hold deal. It's a big ask. And in this case, it's actually a bridge too far for this guy. It's too big an ask. 
the young man just couldn't do it. He was a seeker of God, but he just couldn't do it. He walks away. And it's easy to have compassion for this guy, and Jesus does. Mark's gospel actually tells us that Jesus' heart was sad. He goes, how sad it is. That's the words that he uses. And it takes the time to say that, that Jesus genuinely had a, a love for this young man. But he still doesn't compromise his request. He doesn't change it and go, oh, just, just give half. Just, just give half. Now he turns to his disciples and says, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples' reaction is amazement, it's shock. They, they can't quite believe what they've heard because like pretty much everyone then and everyone now, they'd grown up with a mindset that riches were amazing, that riches indicated the blessing of God. And here Jesus is saying, no, it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. Well then, who then can be saved? Jesus is showing us that salvation can never be achieved by anything a man can do, but declares what is impossible with God, a man is possible with God. How hard is it for a rich man to enter heaven? Those words should actually scare us all because everyone here today is rich by world standards. I want to show a, a graph up on here. All right. 68.7% of the world's population lives with under $10,000 worth of stuff. So most of us here are not that. 22% have between 10 and 100,000, right? If you, that'll be a, a number of people here, but if you include our houses and different things that we have, that's probably, you know, not the majority. So 22 and 68, what's that? That's 90. So 90% of the people in this world are doing it less as well as the majority of people in this room. Right, then we have 7.7. Now, the majority of us, if we count our homes and our cars and our furnitures and, and all the different things are probably in this next bit, right? And some of us would be, come and talk to me afterwards, right? Uh, in this uh, 0.7%, right? Uh, and uh, so that's quite amazing, isn't it? How hard it is. No, sorry. This will be this way. I don't know. <laughs> How hard it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. In world scale, we're rich. We're all rich by world standards. So when it says how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven and it's written in red and now the words of Jesus, that should get our attention. Now, is Jesus telling us that we should sell everything and give it to the poor? No, he's not. That was, to this, that was his particular advice to that particular man. 
If it was his advice to everyone, then he would have told everyone to do it. He was actually showing us an attitude that we must have when it comes to our wealth. And it's basically this, don't trust in your wealth. Don't put your trust in wealth. And in verse 25, he gives us a clue to the right attitude that you need to have when it comes to our wealth. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He mentions a camel going through the eye of a needle. Now, it wasn't literal. It wasn't like a camel like an eye of a needle, right? It wasn't what it was. Jesus was speaking of a gate in Jerusalem called the eye of a needle. See, at night, Jerusalem was a city with gates and it was walls. And the city would be shut so that no one could attack the city under the cover of darkness while the people were sleeping. But inevitably, travelers would arrive at at different times to Jerusalem from their journeys after the gates had been shut. That just makes sense. There's a lot of people coming and going and all these different things. So there was one gate that they would, would have. But what would happen, but the gate was left open, was called the eye of a needle. It was narrow and it was low. And for someone to enter through that gate, they would have to take off all their encumbrances. A camel would have to be stripped of all it carried and kind of go through on its haunches, right? That's what would happen. And that was what Jesus was saying. Don't trust in your riches. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you need to rid yourself of your trust in riches. You need to strip bare your attitudes to money because you'll either serve money or you'll either serve God, but you can't do both. And that's why I think God was a master and a genius in instituting tithing and giving. I believe it's a brilliant masterstroke because every time you get paid or every time there's some recompense, you have to choose. Do I strip down my camel and give to God what's his? Or do I trust my own ways, man ways, my way to financially look after myself? It's a choice. Do I strip off my camel and trust God? Or do I try and get through this on my own way? To strip off the camel of trust in self. That's the goal that God has when he talks about giving and towards our money. He's speaking about attitudes and it got me thinking about attitudes. What are bad attitudes about money that make it hard for a person to enter the kingdom of heaven? It's a massive thing, right? It's it's something worth thinking about. What attitudes do I need to strip off my camel? What do I have to take off my camel? Bad attitude number one, I don't need to share my wealth with others. See, the rich young man, he came from a privileged position in life. And he would have felt as being his right to have money. He'd worked hard. His family worked hard. He was, he was from a family that was doing things. I deserve what I have. Why should others feast on my good and hard work? Why should others feast on my good fortune? See, riches can make you selfish and you spend your time trying to keep them and making more. 
I don't know if I've told you this story before, but I, I, I knew a man and uh, he was earning after tax, after everything. He had, a, he had a great business. I don't want to say what business it was, but he had an amazing business. And he was earning $7 million a year after tax. He had $7 million he could spend every year. So he, I don't even know how you can spend $7 million in a year, right? every year, right? So, so he's like, even though I've got a couple of ideas, if you like, but, uh, no, right? more if you're building, right? But, uh, uh, right? So, uh, but, but like, and he didn't need money. He's going around the world. He's telling me one day that he went on this cruise ship that was only for super rich people and every person got met at the dock in somewhere in South Africa in a black Mercedes. Well, he's just living this amazing, huge life. He ran in the Olympics, torch rally, all these different things. And he just wanted more. So what happened is he, he did this thing and in the global financial crisis of 2008, lost everything because he was greedy. He wanted more. He didn't have to do anything to earn $7 million a year. That's what his business was generating and then he lost everything. Well, one great thing about it is it actually really turned him on to God and he's one of the most full-on on fire Christians you're ever likely to meet and I love this man. He's a, he's a fantastic man. And that's what happens. Riches can make you selfish. You spend all your time trying to get more, make more and, and, and there's the false promise that getting wealth will make your life easier. That's a false promise. Bad attitude number two. I don't need to look after those worse off than me. The rich young ruler, because he had money from birth, most likely had a fatalistic attitude. Whatever station in life you're in, you're in. If you're poor, you're poor. I wanna, shall I say this? I will. All right. Let me just pursue, look at the room. Did, there were recently floods in uh, Pakistan. Many people were killed. But if you're not of a certain caste in society, you're not allowed to build your house on high ground. We could save many people's lives, but because of a station of life you were born in, who knows, the next flood you could be killed. Your family could be killed. That's, that's a horrible system. They're the things that Jesus doesn't like. And they're the things that we've got to kind of say things against. We've got to stand up for injustices like that. Now I know that they're cultural things and, and there's all these different things. So that's why I was a little bit nervous in saying those things. But it, it's not kingdom. It's not kingdom. We, we, the, the kind of thing, well, you're poor, you're poor, too bad. It's not a Jesus attitude. Right? It's, not a, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not the luck of the draw. We should be trying to, to, to help people. See, having money can create a wall between people, us and them, right? And, 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 and it's not right. It can build an arrogance. It can build a judgmental spirits. You know, our riches should alleviate the sufferings of others. shouldn't exasperate them. God gives you riches it's a vehicle by which he provides for someone else. Shutting up your compassion for others, like that's just their lot in life, or they made stupid decisions, or, or they're just this, or they're just that. It's just horrible. 
You know, different times. I, I, you know, people told me when you go somewhere that you shouldn't give money to beggars because you're, what? I just think, I'm going to give it to them. Right? Yeah, it's like they need it. One day I was at a place, so I said, don't give money to the beggars. And then I saw a beggar there, and like the people, local people were giving them money to them. And I just go, I can help this one person. Someone else gets it. If they're begging, they're in a bad place anyway. They're not going to get beaten today because I actually bought something to the boss. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like if you can help someone, help someone. Right? Just help them. You can't shut up your compassion because of a reason. God's given you the capacity. The Bible says if someone asks, give. Someone asks, give. It's, 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 that's red. That's in red. That's Jesus. That's Luke 4. I get passionate about this because I just, I feel sometimes we get so, we, I can give to that one, but I can't give to that one. And, and this one doesn't, or they're going to just use it on drink. Or they're going to, well, they're in a bad place. Just help someone. Be kind to them. I know there's enabling, there's all these other things. But just have a heart of compassion rather than judgment. And when I went to Rome, I would go to nice churches there's always beggars in the front. I thought, I have to give money. I'm not going to heaven. And God goes, well, you went into that church. You walked past that bloke, right? Like, I, I just couldn't do it. You know, it, it's a kingdom attitude to want to bless others. I think as a church, we actually do this really well. I'm proud of a merged church because every time, and I mean every time, we ask for an offering for a particular project, whether it's getting kids to camp, whether it's getting rice to people in Cambodia, whether it's buying bikes, whether it's helping some flood disaster relief in, in, uh, in the top of there in Western Australia. Every single time, Sepio in, in South Africa, oh, sorry, in, in uh, Lesotho, Every single time you guys come through, like every time. There's never a time where we have to, you've just been over the top generous. And, and I love that. I just think that's fantastic. We give a one and a, a, a just a one-off kindness. I remember one time, say, you know, these kids of these missionaries didn't have telephones. And so we took an offering up to buy phones. And we could buy them the latest phone. They're the best phones ever in that country that those kids had. Because we were kind to them. And so I'm proud of that. But our offering and our riches should always go to help and alleviate the suffering of others without judgment. All right, I've gone on, banged on about that too long. All right, bad attitude number three. I might need it for a later day. You know, the rich young ruler as a man of means would have known the pitfalls, pitfalls of money and the fact that it is actually, you know, can easily disappear. Jesus wasn't just asking for some of his riches. He's asking for all. His money's his future. How could he, without money, control what might happen tomorrow? I've noticed if you see someone who's very rich, they're almost always very fearful. It's, it's quite amazing. It's something I've noticed over the years. Over the years, I've, had the, I've met some pretty rich people but every one of them is fearful. Every one of them is always worried about their, their health, their thing. They're scared of this. They're scared of that. They live a very fearful world because their trust is everything of this world. Holding back today because you may need it tomorrow is a short-sighted attitude. We've got to save. Saving's smart. Saving's wise. 
Saving is a good thing, but holding back when you know you can do something because of what might happen isn't always wise. It's actually saying that God only has a limited supply. And it actually places limitations on your ability to believe God to actually do something. Bad attitude number four, my kingdom, not your kingdom, God. The rich young ruler is faced with a choice we all have to make. Whose kingdom am I going to serve? And we all make that choice when it comes to money. And to be honest, there's no more real choice in anything that we do. Am I going to look after God's house or my house? You know, you are a disciple of Christ. The Bible tells us that we've been bought with a price and that I look after the kingdom of God, that I have a kingdom mindset that my kingdom will increase. I'm going to speak a little bit about that in a moment. One of the things they said about Pastor Andrew, pretty much every person who spoke something, they'd all come down to his, his life was put the kingdom first. What scripture? Matthew 6 verse 33 but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else. And Pastor Andrew lived this life, seek ye first, seek ye first. He made that choice. And sometimes he made it and, and, and it would make enemies because he made that choice, kingdom first. Bad attitude number five, God can't really look after me. For the rich young ruler, as it is for many of us, this is really the big question. Can God really look after you? See, all his life, he'd been surrounded by money. It was all he knew. He'd never had it hard. He'd seen the beggars. People with nothing would be coming to him all the time. And he's like, I don't want to be like that. Because he had money. He couldn't see any possible way to live without it. How could I live like them? They have no hope. They have no future. I don't want to live like that. Can God really be trusted to look after me? You know, people, you know, different times will say to me, I can't afford to tithe, but I've always lived with the attitude, I can't afford not to tithe. Bad attitude number six. What the world thinks of me is more important than what God thinks of me. See, the rich young ruler would have seen the effect that money had on others. See, a rich person has no lack of friends. If a super rich person walks in here, if Elon Musk walked in here, we'd like, oh, where's Elon? Right? But God isn't impressed by these things, right? But we are. It's one of those things. We kind of, oh, you know, all these different things. I heard the story of a rich man in Australia who, I, 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 who actually on the day of the budget, was able to make a personal face-to-face -face meeting with the treasurer. Is there anyone in this room that could probably get a meeting with a treasurer on the day of the budget? Not gonna happen. But this guy rang up on the day and got a face-to-face -face meeting. And why? Because he must have seen something in the budget or heard something that was going on that he didn't like, so he wanted some change. That's what rich people can get done. Because people want to, I'm going to bow to that money. I'm going to bow to that. There's a certain power that comes with being, especially if you're, as the Bible says about this guy, very rich. We're not just talking average rich. This guy was very rich. Everyone would have known who he was. I remember going to Adelaide Oval 
right? It was the only time I'd ever been, and I'd come back from a wedding, and my brother had picked me up from the airport, and so I was still wearing the suit from the wedding, right? And I went to Adelaide Oval, and uh, it was packed out, and it was the AFL game. By the way, go the, what are they called? The What's Queensland? Queenslander. All right. So, uh, yes. I may have given away my real uh, thoughts, right? <laughs> no, Crows lost last night. It's a Gold Coast. Right? But uh, um, I literally walk into Adelaide Oval with my suit. The crowd's parted for me. Know, this guy must be important. Let's go. I could, this was a social experiment. This was awesome. And every time I go to football now, I wear a suit and I just get every suit I want. It's unbelievable. Does it make sense? When someone who's rich, they, they, they have this way about them and they're, they're used to that. So not only is the, the kind of the money that I've got, the other, it's the status. It's the power. Have you noticed that like really rich, they never have to pay at the restaurant. Right? They're the ones who are can afford it. But they go, oh, no, you eat here. Just let me get a picture put up on the wall, right? Like, he'd seen the ability of money to control others, the power of money to get people to do what you wanted them to do. His money was his power. His money was his status. It made him someone around town. And so his pride is directly linked to his riches. So we can't allow pride or what someone else thinks to be the arbiter. And if we're actually living a financial life around what others think of us, that is really the unwisest thing you can do and almost always will lead to bad financial choices. Right? And it's one of the reasons why I don't want to know if anyone's given or not. I don't want to actually judge you. Or you give a lot, or you give a lot. I better be nice to him because I better not. You, you, I don't want to have that. I'm going to be in my heart. I'm going to judge you by who you are, not by whether you gave or didn't give. I want the band to come. Peter finishes his story. And he says, see, we have left all we have to follow you. Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left houses, Parents, brothers, wife, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. Now, this is not the reason. It's not investment advice. But when God asks us to do something, it's, it's so you can see his goodness. You can see what he's doing. One of the reasons that people never really complain about tithing who tithe who have that revelation is the very fact that they've seen it work. And they've got stories and they've got testimonies. They've seen her who shall not receive many more times in this present time and in the age to come. Now, it doesn't mean that every day you go to the letterbox and there's another 50 bucks or there's this thing, right? There's times when you've still got to be wise. There's times when you've still got to be sound. There's times when you're being a, but you always have what you want. When You always have what you need when you need it. And as a, a person who's lived for many years with three children, wife, not working, just not on a great wage for many years, just serving the kingdom, God has blessed us again and again and again and again. But there's only one investment advice I've ever followed. If God asks me to give something, I'm going to give it. I have my tithe and I have my giving. And then I've got an amazing wife who's an amazing steward. 
See, it's a two-sided coin, right? So I can be generous, and, and but or see, Nina can be generous, but if I just go around, I've got to buy the latest iPhone, I've got to have the latest car, I've got to have the latest this, that, and all these other things. Well, we're still going to be poor. That's not wise. There's a stewardship side to the message, and another time we'll speak along those lines. See, Jesus is saying it's not about the stuff. He cares about our attitude to the stuff. He tells us that we give up our rights to the stuff and make our stuff his stuff. Then he's going to give us more stuff in this life and in the next. So I'm going to ask you in this year of fruit, everlasting fruit, that you have a attitude of mindfulness when it comes to your finances this year. So the Bible says this, the cares of this world, the desire for riches, the desire for other things enter in and choke the Word of God and make it unfruitful. If you want to have the abundant life, the life that is truly life, as I said before, if you want to have that, then seek after the eternal life, seek after the abundant life, seek after the kingdom life and all the stuff of this life will take precedence. Take care of all the things of this life and the things of eternal life become kind of all choked and becomes unfruitful. One of the reasons I believe that I have, and I don't say this in a boastful way, but one of the reasons I believe that I have a measure of blessing and a measure of carelessness when it comes to the things of money is because I've just gone, God, here it is. I trust you. I'll do it. And you know, when we've done that. So today I'm going to pray for people's finances because I know that it's a real deal. It's a real deal. Every, almost every time you watch the news these days, there's something about this going on. So Father, I pray right now. And if you just need a, you just need a miracle in your finance, you need wisdom, you need something to happen. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, that a sense of trust comes into people's hearts, oh God, a sense of, of faith, oh God. Father, I believe that Rachel's word during worship of God, that Father, there are those that kind of like stepped out, but now the winds and the waves and those different things are, are coming to buffet, oh God. Father, let them hold on to your hand and Father, walk back to safety on the sea, oh God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, oh God, bless people in the area of finances. Father, rid them of worry, oh God. Father, there's always financial things. There's, there's all these things, oh God. But Father, let a peace come over them, oh Lord. Father, I pray that those who haven't had that revelation don't feel, Father, attacked today. But Father, Lord, I pray over this time, let you speak to them, oh God. Let them get that revelation, oh God. Father, I, I pray for the finances of our church, oh God. We thank you, O Lord, that this year has been a fruitful year. And Father, we honour you, O Lord. We honour you. Father, I pray, O God, that people always give in the response to what you're asking, not to what I'm asking or what we're asking. Father, let them do it to your heart. Bless them, I ask, 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to say this, by the way. Just this year, financially as a church, has been the best year we've ever had in the history of the church. I'm not speaking like this because we need you to give more money. Because to be honest, we're being blessed, like amazingly. I just like look at it every week. I go, my goodness. Right? So I thank you for your giving. It's not about that. But I just know in a climate where everything's going crazy, that it's the trusting of God and not the trusting of your riches that's going to get you through this time. So there's no personal attack. There's no kind of like, you better give or God's going to get you. That's, not, that's, the, that's the very last thing of my heart. But I just know that that's the way. And parents, teach your children that. They might only get like $20 from working at McDonald's or wherever they are, but teach them that early. We taught all our kids, give their, they give their first money they got to the Lord. And we taught them from a, from a young age that they're giving to God, trusting in God. And so... God's blessing them and God's doing things. It's, it's something that as a parent that we've got to do. You know, there's wisdom and there's different things and there's budgeting and all those wise things, that wise stewarding. Talk to Nina about that. She's a master. The only reason we got anything is because of Nina and her smartness. But I just wanted to just put that before you today. You know, today also too, there may be in this place people who don't know Jesus. And you hear this thing, church is always talking about money. Well, I don't actually preach about money all the time. I can't even remember the last time that I did, maybe once a year, because I think it's good. Jesus talked a lot about money because he knows it's really your heart, right? Many, many people, it's hard. It's God or money. So Jesus spoke a lot about it. But maybe you-